fuck Kev, you fucking messed up, you know, you fucked up, you're, that's, what, whatever you're doing right now is fucking There's shit. almost a sense of regret. Okay, so thank you for coming, brother. Thank you, thank you for having me. Cheers here, from a distance. Cheers. Uh, let's go back to what we were talking about earlier. First of all, let's let's try to introduce you to to the people listening right now. You own Keola yep. Poke. Is that how we pronounce it? Exactly. Uh, Keola. 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 And you had a location in Hull, mm-hmm. uh, which now you have moved that location to Elmer. Exactly. Where we're shooting this podcast right now. Yeah. Uh, you want to like let me in on a little bit on what exactly key, like pokeables are for people that don't know, which everybody should kind of know what the fuck they are, but <laughs> they don't know what are they? Yeah. So uh, pokeables are like uh, de- deconstructed sushis, like the sushi in the bowl. Uh, it's a Hawaiian food, uh, Japanese influenced. Uh, so you have like uh, pretty much a t- typical poke would be like white rice. Uh, you'd have like. Uh, um, marinated uh, raw salmon or uh, tuna with like a bunch of fruits and uh, vegetables around. Uh, sometimes with like no, no sauce or like with the mayo, mayo sauce and sesame uh, seeds on top. And uh, it's really like uh, beautiful to see. Super colorful. Though. Colorful, yeah. yeah. Healthy, uh, lots of ta- um, lots of flavors and uh, super perfect like light lunch, right? Perfect. Yeah. And what gave you, like let's just say, let's go back to the, when you were deciding to launch this business, what was what what does made you decide that you wanted to do poke? So at, at first, my plan was to open a cafe, okay, that would be serving food. Uh, I didn't really have a lot, lot, lot of experience in terms of like uh, in the industry, uh, but I thought about like having this cafe that would be serving like one meal that would just like pair well and be uh, really fast and healthy too. Um, so then I heard about the poke and I, I just, I just loved everything about it. I thought it was, uh, easy. Uh, I thought it was, uh, uh, well, unique too for here in Canada, you know, it just like the wave just started a bit everywhere in the world, but like, uh, there wasn't like a poke shop uh, at every corner, you know? Right. And I saw it like the, the shawamas like 30 years ago, you right. know, that now it just like, it's everywhere like mushrooms you yeah, know yeah yeah and uh so i thought it would have been a great idea to combine that with a coffee 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 spot mm-hmm. and to uh to be the first one to offer that product so what i did is i i figured out my ideas uh, i took a, um, a trip to hawaii and uh i i took i made my recipe so over there. the trip you took to hawaii because that's interesting the trip you took to hawaii you took it for for that project really only for to that. learn the project yeah well that's that's pretty interesting mm-hmm. Okay. I already knew how to make poke before. In fact, like uh, my my biggest uh, let's say uh, experience in terms of like being coach and um, and cuisine was in Thailand uh, in 2016. So I went there for a trip and uh, I had a cooking formation over there. That's pretty much where I started really like my passion for cooking and food started. So once I come I came back from there, I just like I was living by myself because mm-hmm. my dad was traveling, so I was in the house. My dad was like going for three months, coming back. So I had to do my own stuff, right? And I was cooking so much for my friends. You know, I, my friends were always at my, my at my place. And uh, I already had that, like, I think I was like 17, 16. And I already had that plan of one day having a cafe. So that always like sticked in my mind. And um, so I was I was studying in uh, university and communications. Uh, I started in, in cinematography mm-hmm. in uh, Quebec. I did like a, a certificate. 
and then I came back here to just continue in communications. And my plan was to like finish my baccalaureate and just do everything I can to open up this place. So despite what it means. So. And how many, so from when you first came up with the concept and the idea and you knew that it was poke that you wanted to do or a cafe you wanted to do, how long did it take you to execute your plan? Like how long did it take in terms of years or months or, you know, before you said, you know what, this is the place I'm going to lease or rent or own. I don't know what the situation is. And how, like, what was, what was the exact amount of time it took for you to execute? I went, I went too fast, to be honest, too fast. way too fast. Um, <clears throat> so I, I, um, I was doing, um, I was training a lot when I was in university. I was working at the casino uh, full-time at the university, and um, I was also boxing um, and making, like, fights, right? So I, I was competing. And um, so my plan was to finish my baccalaureate. So I was in my first year. I just finished my first year. And then um, my grandfather passed away, like, a few years ago, and uh, I had some... Uh, I inherited uh, some a bit of money, just enough to consider quitting school and just like going forward with that project, you know? And um, the poke was already in my mind uh, since I started university, the, the concept. And then when I had the money, I was like, I called my mom and I said, like, how much can you borrow me? I called some few friends too. And like, just to get some help around, you know? And so um, I finished school. Uh, I did like a competition in, uh, in Muay Thai because I was like t doing Thai boxing. And then when I came back from that competition, I was like, this is it. You know, I'm just, I'm going forward with that. So, um, so yeah, it took me two months to do everything, to go to Hawaii for three weeks. Um, you know, I had a good time for sure, no matter what I did over there, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't just for work. Uh, it was like a great time, you know, great souvenirs too. And, uh, but it was like half, half. Mm -hmm. So I came back and it was like, go, 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 find a place, like build your, um, my business plan at the same time. It went just way too fast. If I could come back in time and like do it again, man, I would you give myself, oh yeah, yeah. give myself at least six months to do everything, you know? So, um, in two months, everything was done. We opened up. So um, two months from when you came back from Hawaii. Exactly. Wow, that's pretty fascinating, bro. Yeah. Good stuff. So uh, in you're saying that you wish you would have slowed down a bit. Yeah. What are some of the mistakes that you made for people that are trying to launch their next business? Or like, it's a good thing that you're saying slow down because I believe in that. You know, you got to be like, you know, it's great to be ambitious. It's great to be like, it's great to chase what you want to chase, but it's also good to be rational and, and realize that things are going to happen. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So did anything happen in those two months or that you regret that you wish you would have slowed down? What are those, those things? Um, I think no matter what the project you want to do, if you're like under 25, mm -hmm. I started when I was 23, uh, no matter what you think you might be wrong just because you're so fucking young, mm -hmm. you know, I think I was a bit naive thinking mm -hmm. that it was just going to blow up like that. I think I was uh, a lot naive about the fact that I had enough experience to do it. Um, so like everything went as planned in terms of like, in terms of the renovations and, sh and stuff. Uh, but then, you know, I, I had no experience on managing a team and like a kitchen team, you know? So um, first day it was a fucking catastrophe. Um, one, I was so scared doing that cause I didn't know what I was doing. Second, like my staff was like not formed properly. Um, so we just had a really rough start, you know, and like, um, being, being alone in that type of project, uh, you have a, you put your, a lot of weight on yourself, you of know, course, of course. and, um, the, the way I was feeling at first, it's like, you know, I was being honest to myself, like, fuck Kev, you fucking messed up, you know, you fucked up. You're that's what, whatever you're doing right now, it's fucking was shit. There almost a sense of regret. Kind of um, thing? not regret, just a lot of like deception. Mm -hmm. And I was being hard on myself too, without telling anyone around. Right. 
knowing I was alone in this, no matter what I did, just even if I if it goes well, it goes bad, I'm alone, like living that. You know, I had my girlfriend at, at the time, which is crazy support. You know, it's uh, I don't think I could have uh, went through what I went through uh, without her. Mm -hmm. So a big shout out to her. But um, yeah, so what the, some of the big mistakes was um, like uh, I didn't I didn't go forward to have help around. You know, um, I should have like talked more to professionals. Uh, that I knew I, I should have reached out to like more did you, people. Did you ever have a mentor in, in terms of like in, in that kind of industry, in the restaurant industry or in the food service industry? Yes, I um, I was uh, being helped by, uh, well, being uh, mentored, let's say, by uh, one of the owners and uh, uh, founders of uh, the Wells Bones in Ottawa, uh, Joshua Bishop. And he's a good friend from my coach. Uh, he always supported the, the gym. He went to one of my fights in Toronto too. And uh, so I used to call him and ask him like, like uh, advice for numbers to run the stuff and stuff like that. And great man. He always like took time to give me answers and everything. So, uh, you know, th the first year, my first year, that's where I started reaching out to people mm -hmm. and I had few mentors. Um, some that sometimes were just like making me uh, more lost than anything else, you know, cause it's good to have mentors, but at the end of the day, if they're not doing what you, you're doing and if they don't have experience in what you're doing right now, yeah. they might not give you the right advice. Mm -hmm. And, you know, as a kid, I was looking up to them and sometimes looking up to the wrong people, let's say, could mm -hmm. just like make you confused and make you even more depressed. I mean, I am small story about it. I had like one mentor that I really admired, you know, um, he wasn't an entrepreneur. He was more of, um, like, uh, he was an accountant and, um, and, uh, you know, just successful guy, has his family, good guy. Everybody likes him, looks good, whatever. And um, at a certain point, he was, like, helping me a lot at first. And at a certain point, after, like, my, my second year, you know, he wasn't seeing the growth he was expecting. From you? Yeah. In terms of, for, 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 for the business, let's say. And um, so one time he told me, Kev, just shut it down. Go back to school. Wow. You know, but bro, when he said that to me, you know, it I went back home and I almost cried, you know. Shattered you. Oh bit. man, it I bet. broke me down. Yeah. Okay, so and when he said that, did that give you like a drive to continue doing what you were doing or did it really put a toll on you and make you actually consider going back to school and, and dropping this whole thing? It made me consider going back to school af after just like stabilizing the business. So it never pushed me to like put it down whenever whatever. Um, the only thing like now we've been open for like two years and almost two, almost two years and a half. The only thing that like almost pushed me to close the business was COVID. And, um, that's been, that's been ruining everybody, man. Yeah. So, that's the thing. Like us right now at Ovicola, we're still closed. Mm -hmm. Like I was telling you earlier, but I mean, that's unprecedented and we kind of don't have any control over it, uh, which sucks. But one question I have to ask you before we go back, cause we're, we're kind of, we've been jumping back and forth a bit and you brought up fighting a few times. Yeah. You want to fill me in on that a little bit? I know that you do. I've seen pictures of you kickboxing and stuff. What is it that you do in terms of fighting? Is that a hobby? Is that something that you were taking seriously at one point? Is that something you chose the you know the service industry over the fighting over? Like, Did you ever want to pursue fighting? I did want to pursue fighting. I did want to become pro, go in Thailand, fight there, come back, and maybe have a career on that. Um, I have uh, competed a lot, mostly in the States, many tournaments. And, um, and you started this when? How old were you when you started fighting? Uh, 17. Wow. Yeah, so I've been doing that for like uh, seven, eight years. I've never stopped. I'm still training from there and there. Now I just started doing BJJ instead. Okay. I'm kind of like tired of the, 
you know, because Muay Thai is about a lot about uh, your ego. You know, you have to build your ego. You have to think you're the best. You have to, you have to want to crush your opponent. And uh, at a certain point, you, it takes a lot of energy from you. You know, right, yeah. and with the restaurant, with what, what I've been through the first year, it takes man, enough energy right there. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I needed something that was more about like. Um, uh, something that would make you more humble, right? And BJJ, it's all about that. You know, it's it's about like uh, you you can't like learn and grow in BJJ without being humble. It's like the first thing you need to know to you, you need to understand before starting to like starting to just like get into it, right? Because it's like um, it's so technical that like you have so much to learn, and like most of the people that starts BJJ, they get confronted to the fact that like they don't know shit, mm -hmm. and it's so hard sometimes on your ego. Mm -hmm. And then uh, yeah, so now I'm like I'm, I, I'm still training Muay Thai, but uh, but uh, now I'm doing more BJJ. And uh, to get back to the question, yeah, uh, for a few years, for a few years, I was uh, considering going pro and make maybe like making like a career through school, like going to school, working, and also like fighting and getting to maybe like a pro level. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think I had the potential. I love the sport. I love the community of, uh, around it. Like, uh, the, you know, it's funny because I, I think there's like a resemblance with the community in kitchen and the community in the art. Uh, in what art, sense? Exactly. Martial arts. I don't know. I feel like- The, the family, the family. I know what you mean because the, like the family oriented thing, you spend so much time with so many people in the restaurant industry that like you become tight with them you become almost family there's a yeah. respect line there yeah. is that what you mean in that sense yes also mm -hmm. but also the 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 fact that like the, the, it's like um i feel like people that go in cuisine they always come from like special backgrounds and um sometimes they get into cuisine because something brought them there and they're doing it for something else like true passion at the same time but right. like they also get fall, uh, fall in love with like people with the people they're working with right same thing in martial arts like all everyone has a nice story you know uh, super nice perso uh, personalities, uh, backgrounds. Uh, and then after that, people are like pursuing or like using that to like fix something inside of them. And it creates a special bound. I don't know. I feel that like there's a little bit of a connection between like people in the kitchen and people in like martial arts. Oh, that's cool. And uh, yeah. Good stuff. Mm -hmm. All right. So off that subject, you had opened the location in Hull. Now tell me, so you were telling me earlier, which... Again, I had no idea that you have a second location. Yeah. Okay. And this was launched how many months ago? Uh, two months ago. Two months ago. Uh, you want to tell me a little bit about that location and how that came out of nowhere, pretty much? Because yeah. I still didn't even know, but I thought you were doing a joint venture with Minotaur is where mm -hmm. it's at, right? Exactly. So you want to tell me about it a little bit? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, we um, I, I met one of the owners of Minotaur. Um, Which is a bar in Hall. Bar in Hall, okay. yeah. And um, we had this idea of like partnering partnering up to make like events or just like pop-ups at his place or maybe at my place. We just brainstorm at first. And then when COVID happened, we were supposed to do it like this summer. And um, so COVID happened. We kept on talking about the idea. And then we just came up with having a, a comptoir, a counter at his spot. And uh, so he talked about it to his partners. His the, the, the partners were all down with the idea. So uh, we met, we talked again. Uh, it took a few times before we have like a, a serious plan about it. And um, yeah, so after that, we just went forward. We built the whole thing uh, about the equipment. We put everything together and then we opened up without really doing lots of marketing about it. So, right. yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, um, like if you want to fill us in, because the goal of this podcast is to get, so people can learn off of your endeavors, right? Mm -hmm. So 
what was the sort? Did you guys create some sort of contract having your your concept in their establishment? If you know what I mean, like, are, are you paying them? If you don't mind talking about it, yeah, you could totally say you don't want to talk about it if you don't want. But like, you paying rent? How does it work? Are you guys in a partnership? Are you just lease subleasing a space off of them? What, what's the situation? So uh, the 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 how do you say that uh, the, the, terms, the terms the terms, terms of, of our partnership right. yeah is that I give them eight uh, percent of my business sales before tax before tax yeah so normally in the business the the the, the restaurant industry you want to keep your rent uh, lower than twelve percent right uh, to make it profitable so having it at eight percent is perfect for me it gives me a good place to, to, to be and uh, there's a lot of people already over there they're really well placed in the hall for the government workers when they aren't there so uh, it's uh, it's more of a, like a, a winning winning situation because they don't have food and I bring this food and I've been in this neighborhood so I already have like a name that's built up mm-hmm. so it helps me like have a low investment new business at their spot and it helps them upgrade their offer to their clientele yeah, it's great. It's great for both of you because you guys got to both have nothing to lose. You, you might have your time to lose, but mm-hmm. if you're not making any sales, you're not really dishing out any money. Is yeah. that correct? Yeah. And v- vice versa, if you're not making any sales, they're not really losing anything because you weren't there to begin with. Yeah. Okay, that's a pretty good contract. Yeah. Pretty good terms. Mm-hmm. Okay, good stuff. And then let's talk about your Elmer location. So you had your hall location, not the one we just spoke about right now. You had your hall location on Eddie Street. Is that Eddie Street? Eddie Street. Yeah. Eddie Street. What made you move from Eddie to Elmer? So um, once the COVID happened, the shutdown happened, mm-hmm. um, you know, I had big reflections about it. I knew government workers wasn't going to come back in the neighborhood. And this neighborhood, it's only about government workers. Right. You know, all the businesses, we live for them. So we have two windows normally. You you sell at their break, at lunch break, and then you sell at night from like five to seven. The happy right? hour. Exactly. But besides those two windows, there's nothing. There's no business. Why? Because the, the, the neighborhood is pretty poor. You know, the average um, household uh, salary is $30,000 a year. Uh, why did I go to Elmer? Because I found this super nice spot that was like um, low rent, uh, really small, really cute, right location with lots of uh, people passing Is around. Is the rent uh, cheaper than what you were paying? Oh, yeah, home? way cheaper. Way really? Cheaper. Three times cheaper. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. But the place you had in Hall, I mean, it looked pretty big. It was too big. Too big for what too I was Too big offering. for what it was? Yeah. Because, yeah. yeah. you know, I, it was a 2,000 square feet place. That's huge. Yeah. And like... Uh, so the first floor was a thousand f- square feet, but I had the basement that I didn't really need. You know, I don't have lots of stocks, you know. Proof is the place I have right now. It's like almost like... Uh, and before you moved into Hull, let's go back to Hull. I know I'm jumping around, but I, got tons, <laughs> I have tons of questions for you. Yeah. Before you moved into Hull, what was there prior to you moving in? What was the business that was in that location in Hull before? It was... Um, so there was many businesses that closed down like uh, under a year. Mm-hmm. Uh, the last one that was there was like a beer shop. They were selling a beer, beer shop. Yeah, a beer shop. Okay, selling uh, beers, and they I think they toughed like six months before. Closing so they down. had it in the basement area. Is that like a storage area? I I'm pretty sure it was. And do they I've have never seen did it. they have coolers and fridges in there? Or no did idea. You? Oh, okay. So when you went in, there was bare bones. Yeah, not a fridge, not a cooler, nothing. not a kitchen, not a vent, not a nothing. Nothing. Okay, so that was all investment from the day one. Yeah. Okay. When you moved into Elmer, did you bring all that stuff with you? Yep. Okay. Yep. Interesting. To come back to one of your questions you asked mm-hmm. me at first, um, one of the mistakes I made mm-hmm. is investing too much into making the place nice. Mm-hmm. So I, reno- I uh, renovated the whole th- place. I mm-hmm. put like 
fifteen thousand bucks on that. Um, just in renovations minus equipment. Just the renovations. Just to make it look cute. Yeah. Okay. You know, floors, lightning, walls, whatever. Right, right, right. Walls that I had to build, whatever. You know, and that wasn't necessary. That was just like me trying to like make too. I was too confident about right. my concept and everything, you know. And uh, I was like, no, it's gonna be worth it, no matter what. I'm gonna make a lot of money and I'm gonna pay that pay back. back. But no, if you rent something, you start a project, start small, never go too big. Start small and don't don't focus on the small details. Like focus on your product, the quality. Yeah, quality. Right. That's it. Okay. Yeah. So um, now, if I ask you any questions you don't want to answer, just say okay. yeah, I'd rather keep it to myself. When you first launched, when you first started making these investments, did you save all of this money in that two months? Because it sounds pretty impossible. Or did you go get loans? Did you did you use credit? Did you use your credit card? Did you get a business loan? Which nowadays, I'm pretty sure you couldn't even get a business loan if you tried. No. So how did you come up with the funds to just put in $15,000 in just your renovations, not even including for, uh, sorry equipment? So I had money from uh, the heritage of my grandfather. Okay. Okay. Not gonna say no amount, but it was uh, enough and not enough at the same time to do the whole thing. I, see. Okay. I had some money from some from some friends that helped me out from family members, my mom, my stepmom, and then uh, I also uh, took my uh, student loans that I just repaid. Mm-hmm. You know, I was working at the casino. I was being paid twenty seven dollars an hour, which was really good. And I was full time at school and working full time at the casino, thirty mm-hmm. to forty hours a week too. Making you know? good money, twenty seven dollars oh, an hour. What were yeah, you doing at the casino? I was at the end the zone. You know the yeah 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 yeah. I was the guy on uh, on the stage. Oh shit! Yeah. Okay. That's you know, I did that for like a year and a and half. That's technically out here. It's a government job. Yep. So you left that government job, and you went to pursue your dreams. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. And then what happened next? So you got all that money. So I took mostly my student loans. I wasn't uh, able to get any other loans. About well, what do you mean student loans? So you paid back the student loans, yeah. And then what the the the, the bank gives you money back? No, no, I like I paid them back. So like I had the money in this account. Okay, so it's like a cre- it was a, it was a line of credit. No, 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 it's a student loan. But like, like let's say you get a student loan with uh, Bank TD, okay, okay. TD Bank. Um, you get a you get your student loan, so you get like five thousand. Uh, that's mm-hmm. on block, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you use that five thousand the way you want. Let's say you get to like uh, there's only a thousand left, and then boom, you you repay everything. You still have your loan. So it's a line of credit. Yeah. Exactly. So student loan, but it's a line of credit with low interest because it's a student loan. Yeah. Okay, that's great. Yeah. Okay, so you reuse that again. Yeah. She got money from your friends, from your family, and then you went after this. So now you move into Elmer, and this happens. Like you said, two months, uh, two months ago. Yeah, Elmer. Yeah. Now no, it's, it's been, been more like, than uh, that. No, it's been like almost like five months now. Five months. Yeah. Okay. And what did you see? Did you see a increase in business instantaneously? Did your Did your crowd follow you? Your regulars follow you from Hall to Elmer, uh, or did you see a loss of business? A uh, huge increase. Huge um, increase. Yeah, lots of love from people, lots mm-hmm. of support, uh, either from the community around here, uh, either from clients, old clients. Um, you know, I had many clients that were coming at uh, my last, like the first spot, um, two to four times a week, you know. From Hall? Yeah, from okay. Hall, you know. They were sometimes coming at lunchtime, some, sometimes coming with like their, their lovers, their partners, their family at like at, uh, at night. Um, and like m- lots of those people came at our o- opening day, uh, opening day. The support. Oh, yeah, it was crazy. Like the first month we opened in the Hall. It was four times our best month in uh, Elmer and Hall. Wow! Oh man, it was crazy. You know, it's not like that anymore. You know, um, one thing about business. And you opened during COVID. During COVID, right? yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, the my rent, 
which is like it's like a fixed cost, right? So you can't change that. I got it. I lowered down three times, and then um, how you say that? You I uh, it it got cut down. Yeah, you you your rent was cut down by three by three, three. and then business number just went by four. Right, and um, that was great. You know, that was great. That was for me as like a small entrepreneur mm-hmm. that put everything into my dreams it's the um, it's like the proof that like you're doing something right and don't fucking stop you know mm-hmm. like uh just find dr- find the way to make it happen exactly you right. know and like there's a, a certain at a certain point as an entrepreneur i think you have to accept the fact that it's not going to be easy and it never was and it's just going to get like harder and you just have to accept it and mm-hmm. like keep going right find solutions find um simple solution for uh, complicated problems always you know and keep getting better better but just keep going further too and uh this was like a huge mar- milestone for me because and during covid like everyone in the business you know it's like we don't know what's happening right and like I'm not saying that I'm I'm ha- I'm having those numbers right now. No, fucking not. It's scary right now. You well, know, the winter's coming in, and the winter's never good for us at all. Right. Any of the restaurants. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, when you say your rent was cut down by three, like it was three times less than what you were paying before, mm-hmm. did you lock in this? Like, are you signed? Your first location, you obviously didn't have a lease, right? Did you have a lease? I did or? have a lease, but did yeah, you? That's another big subject, man. Yeah. Oh yeah. You want to get into it? Yeah, well, we can. We just can. Like an, yeah, yeah. Okay. So now this one, uh, do you think that your rent is a lot cheaper, not only because of the, the location possibly, but also because of the fact that these landlords are having a hard time finding no. tenants? The thing is, this location where I'm at right now in Elmer. Mm-hmm. It's, Which is actually a prime location. It's a prime location, but it's as big as this room, you know? Right, right, right. So it's pretty expensive, for what it is. For what it is. I see. Why it's it's that high? It's because the last business that has been there has been there for seven years and they made a huge success in seven years. They moved out to a bigger location on the same street. But this place is known as the place of it that was. business. The, I, I, if, if I'm Cassis. not mistaken, if I'm not mistaken, uh, what was then? Because I, like I told you, I grew up in this town. That place used to sell shawarmas way back. I'm talking 10 years ago, bro. No way. Yes. I forget what the name was. It was like pizza, uh, not, not pizza, uh, something principal. That's not even on. Is that principal? It's on principal. It was pizza principal. Oh yeah. Like look into it. Ask your landlord. I'm talking like 10, 10 years ago, easily ten over ten years ago. We used to go there when we used to go to the bars in Elmer. Like we used to go to the flicks. We used to go to the, uh, the British mm-hmm. back in the day before the new British. Uh, my time is different than your time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they used to kill us with like these big shawarmas. Oh my god. Oh, yeah, man. but that place was booming. Mm-hmm. I think that's just because you're right next to Elmer uh, TV, right? They used to be there, but they yeah. used to be there. They're not there anymore either. No. Okay, same landlord though. That uh, wait, wait the the same business owner of uh, Elmer sign, Michel uh, um, Claude. Claude, 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 yeah. Claude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, he owns that building. Yeah, the, he owns the oh, whole thing. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. All making sense now. Mm-hmm. It was either I moved to a, a small location, cutting down costs, or I was just closing down. You know, like end of the race, end of the game. That's it. Um, why? Because like I made my maths real quick, uh, losing all my clientele from like one day to the other. Um, I knew I couldn't stay there. Like my rent was too high. Like we said, right? 2000 square feet. Fuck man. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't have the money to pay that for like, right. I wouldn't like, I couldn't like. And, and d- d- is that the main reason why you left? Was it because the rent was too high? Or was it also it was because of, of the government workers just not being? What there. if your what if that landlord would have cut your rent by three? Like you're you're in your same situation right now. Like there. You would have stayed there if you would have cut it by three. The same. Let's just say you're paying the same rent you're paying now. You would have stayed. 
knowing that the government workers aren't coming back. Or that, for, I mean, for the time being, they're not coming back. God knows what's... You're, you're making me think a lot right now, but I'm pretty point. sure. Yeah, yeah. But you know what? I think I would have stayed, you know, why? For the square footage. Yeah, but also because I was so... Um, the place was nice. You know, mm -hmm. I had something special. I, was, I had something unique in that place. And um, the lightning, the, the, the minimal, like it was, there was nothing on and the you walls. you can't take that stuff with you. you exactly, know? you know, yeah. and like most of my clients that still come at my spot in Elmer, um, you know, they come for the food, they love the bouquets, mm -hmm. they love the bubble teas and the cafe and everything, you know, and there's pretty much the same vibe. When you go there, there's the same vibe as the other spots, same mm -hmm. music, same colors. But then when you come in, you're just like, man, like I remember the... The real stuff, right? You know, right. and that sitting experience that right. that we lost. Because right now, it's uh, that's a good thing. To it's only takeout. It's just takeout. Yeah. Right. Are you doing Uber Eats? Yeah. You are. I stopped for for a few few months mm -hmm. just because we were having like good physical business, okay. so it wasn't worth it. But why was it not worth it? Because uh, it was. What, did, um, it ever, did Uber ever get overwhelming? Yes, it did. While you were operating your like, let's just say the summer when you first opened, it was busy. Yeah. Having those extra Uber orders, because I know the situation with Uber, Uber, if you guys are fucking listening, chill out on your cut, you know, because their cut is ridiculous. Ridiculous. Ridiculous amount of money they take from the, the, the restaurant owners. But so those amount of orders coming in was too much to handle? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Uh, example, uh, when we were in Hull, okay, lunchtime. Lunchtime was crazy. Physical sales, right? Uh, we have like 30 people coming in in like 30 minutes, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, and then boom, at, at that time when we were in Hall, we had like Uber, Skip and um, DoorDash, three at the same time. But when the three are booming while you're having physical cells that are crazy, you can't, we're only three in the kitchen, right? you know? And it happened a few times where, where we had to like cancel pause, orders pause. that were already like taken. Oh shit. You know, yeah, that's which is good. really bad. Yeah, it's really bad. So I had to take that decision of just like cutting down some of them. Okay. And and Elmer cells were good physically, physically right? Physical cells. Mm -hmm. So for me, I was like, we we're, were having a hard time handling their the cells, handling like the inventory, mm -hmm. uh, handling the 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 time for people to not wait, right? Right, right, right. And um, at a certain point, I can't can't add up this. I if right. I can't like afford, I can't uh, maintain my um, my quality and my like service with what I'm having physically. I can't add up another. Yeah, no, I see what you're saying. So uh, you, you're saying you also use DoorDash? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I I use DoorDash as well. How how are you doing with DoorDash? DoorDash and Hull? I loved it. I was working Hull well. and Elmer? Elmer as well? No, I, I've never tried it in Elmer. I don't think it exists in Elmer. It, it does. DoorDash. Yeah, it does. Really? Yeah, yeah. Mm, yeah I yeah. thought right now the only thing that expanded out here was Uber. I didn't even know Skip existed in Elmer. Oh, yeah, no, I I tried Skip too. Here? Yeah. In this location? Yeah. Okay. Um. My 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 uh my the, the the better app the application that worked best for me in Hall was Uber mm -hmm. and then DoorDash and then Skip. Uh, when I started, I started with Skip. I built quite a clientele. It was okay. okay, but once I put Uber and DoorDash, and maybe two months, they outpassed uh, Skip. Yeah, Skip. I find Skip is oriented in. I don't know if it's their business model exactly, but in terms of my firsthand experience with Ilvicolo, mm -hmm. is that Skip orders tend to be larger orders. Most of the time, more like family. Like if family wants to eat, they order through Skip. I feel like Uber is tiered more to the younger demographic mm -hmm. or students or anybody that's just hungry on the go versus Skip is like, I feel like it's the older crowd. Wouldn't make sense. Put that on silent. Yeah, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, bro. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, okay, that's crazy, man. Good stuff. No, I, I'm, I'm actually proud of you, bro, because like I, I've seen 
I mean, it's been a while we know each other. We don't know each other that well, mm-hmm. but uh, you've been in El Viclo a few times. And we've talked, and like I've seen that you're coming. But I remember at one point you were actually talking, and you had a lot of questions. And this was right before COVID actually happened. Yeah, This was before COVID we spoke. So you didn't even know what the fuck. We didn't even, our conversation had nothing to do with this unprecedented fucking virus, right? Mm-hmm. So, and I remember you were on the fence a little bit, or you were looking, I remember at one point you were looking for an um, investor. Yeah. The same guy that you said was your mentor. Yeah. Really, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, I guess, didn't work out or? No, no, it didn't work out. No? Well, I never asked him. Oh, you never asked him? I never asked so him. So I just exposed you a little bit. My bad. Well, it's okay. That's all right. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I was kind of like wishing on the D-Lo that he would like ask me one day, like, Kev, okay. you know. When I started the project, he was like, he came with his wife and um, he, he ate and everything. And then he, he took me on the side and he was like, okay, Kev, now, um, to be honest, uh, you have a good product and everything. Uh, if you can manage to like uh, roll the thing the first year pretty well, and like twitch everything to make it a, like a really good like um, tweak it. Yeah, tweak it really well. Uh, in a few years, you could maybe like get 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 connected with the big guys that would buy you and just like take everything and do it in another way. But you just get the check and you're out. Mm-hmm. That's and actually like the goal. That's the goal. That's yeah, the goal. that's the goal. Yeah, you know, okay. and the way he, he was saying that is that kind of like, gave you hopes that maybe he was the big guy. He, no, no, because I know he has the contacts. You know, ah. you know, and um, he has the contacts, and like I was, bro, I was so fucking hyped about it. You know, so I, when I when I realized that um, he wasn't gonna do it, um, I kind of realized that he was never gonna do it. Mm-hmm. You know, he's not someone that takes risks. Uh, he's not someone that wants to take risks for something like that. I mean, uh, from his perspective, I am so fucking small. You know. I'm I'm a I'm a 20 years old that's just starting and like like he told me that yeah, you have lots of potential. This is a good project, Kev. Uh, it's gonna give you lots of experience. Whatever you know, you, you're probably gonna go far in life and long term. You know, if you get back to school. Right. But oh, he was, he was emphasizing on the. School oh thing. man, always. always. What were you studying? Yeah, uh, communications. Communications. And the, I thought you said you were studying in um, uh, c- cinematography. Yeah, cinematography. Cinema. Yeah. And then you went to communications. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Why did you do the train? Like, why did you do the transfer? Um. So I have my um, my um, my uncle's best friend is um, André, Tur- uh, André Turpin. Uh, André Turpin, he's the um, uh, photo director of uh, Xavier Dolan. Okay. Okay. So Xavier Dolan is one of the the well most well known Can- French Canadian um, uh, cinematographer. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I had a stage with him. Okay. And um, just before going down, going on, uh, pursuing my communication baccalaureate. And um, I loved everything about it. You know, I was like following him on the sets where he was like shooting something for Bells, shooting something for Van Hoot. And he was like the god on stage, right? And I kind of like, that was my biggest experience and all of that. And I, I realized that like, fuck, um, <laughs> to really go far in that like industry, mm-hmm. not only you have to, to, to have the good plugs, but the good plugs are people that are real passionate passion people right okay they're passionate by that and they 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 did all the steps they had to do so if if you don't have the big contacts and the, the big talent the, the the talent and the, the experience you're not gonna go far fast not at all you, you'd have to like give a 10 to like 20 years of your time and life to to get maybe get to a certain level or else you're just gonna stand at like a, a level where you you know, you're just, you're, right, you're just yeah, getting a paycheck. Exactly, you know. Yeah, you so I told to myself, without experience, um, I know I love film. I love like the, the power of telling a story, a visual story, all the the components you have to put together to like make it really uh, 
powerful. And, um, and I knew I w- that's not something I wanted to do for the money. But at, at a young age, at 20 years old. You that know, was your passion. It was your art. Well, yeah, right? exactly. And your I outfit. didn't want that to be for money. Right. You know, I wanted to get my money somewhere else. And maybe once I get some money, I would, you know what, invest in that and sure. do whatever I want. Uh, funny thing is that we all know that you don't make a lot of money in restoration when you start, whatever. You, start, you know, you yeah. have to get a certain model or certain find a certain path. But like um, restaurant margin, profit margins are really low usually. And so it's a stupid thing. Not stupid. Okay, I can't say shit like that. Mm. But it's, um, you know, it's it's a bit ambiguous, let's say. Okay. To want to, to wanna, like, tw- being 22 years old, saying that, like, okay, I'm going to do my first restaurant project concept, uh, hopefully, and thinking that you're going to make a bunch of money at the start. Right. And uh, But that's yeah. how we all think. Yeah. That's the problem with entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Like, right, the first thing you're thinking about is, like, this is going to be the most successful thing I ever did. <laughs> and then you got to deal with all, all that comes with it, right? Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, another question I wanted to ask you was if you can give some sort of advice to some another entrepreneur your age, because you said you started at 20, 21, 22? How old are you right now? 20, 26. 26. You started at 23. Yeah. So what would be the best advice you can give a 23-year-old looking and we're going to we're going to stick with the whole restaurant industry or the service industry what's the best advice you think you can give a 23 year old 24 year old that's jumping into this right now i i, I bet there's a lot yeah i, I know lot. there could be a lot of things but mm-hmm. uh just the most in the in the most uh, layman's terms um first be passionate Whatever you're gonna do, be passionate about it. Make sure your your job is gonna be more of a of a hobby than anything else because mm-hmm. you're so passionate about it. Second, be financially ready. Uh, just because, like, if if you're financially ready, you're, you're gonna put aside a bunch of stress that are not necessary necessary uh, necessary. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a big factor. I mean, like being being stressed about like making it, it's something that gives you like momentum, energy sometimes, you know, like you want to make it, you know, you want to get to your goals and it's already a stress because you're being hard on yourself and you want to like pursue and get to your goals to keep on going, going, right? So that's already a stress like most entrepreneurs all, always have. Right. But then when you have also the financial stress, man, it's like, it depends it's the on your personality, on top but to, oh yeah, yeah. my gosh! No, and you know? me, I, I can't even like I, I could handle stress, but it shows when I'm stressed. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's the best advice you think you can give somebody: being financially ready, passionate, being passionate. Yeah. Anything else? Yeah. Uh, make sure you're um, you're in uh, in a good shape, like good physical sh- and health yeah, shape. It's tough you know? on your body. Uh, be sure you have the energy to to do whatever you want to do. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, and also make sure you uh, you have enough life experience. Um, either it's by traveling, by having maybe sometimes it's only b- about your b- background too, right? Right. Like whatever. Shit and you if you know, what what is your background? So I'm half uh, Burkinabé. Okay. Uh, West Africa. Right. And half uh, French Canadian. Half French Canadian. You're yeah. born here. No, I was born in Central Africa. Oh Bonky. wow. Okay. Yeah. When did you go? When, when would you come to Canada? Uh, so I came to Canada when I was three years old. Three years old. I was like traveling around Africa with my uh, parents. You're like me. I came here when I was three as well. Oh, no way. That's crazy. Where were you born? Iran. Oh. Yeah. Born, well, not born. Born, not raised. But I, uh, yeah, I came from Iran to Greece. Iran, Greece, Turkey, or Iran, Turkey, Greece. Can't remember. And and both of your parents are from Iran? Yep. Yep. Nice. Both from Tehran, Iran, from the capital. And 
and I owe them everything for bringing us to Canada because they've given us a better life, right? More opportunity. It's all about opportunity. Mm -hmm. And being here gives us that opportunity, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Going back to staffing, what are your biggest uh, setbacks when it comes to staff? And I I know that the staff might be listening right now because this is huge. I feel like me being a, a restaurateur, the hardest thing that I've had to deal with mm-hmm. from day one was staff. I mean, the passion was there, the food was there, the drinks were there. I'm pretty good with people. The hardest thing you got to deal with, in my opinion, especially with us, because we have a lot of servers, right? We don't just have cooks; we have servers as well. Was the staffing? Is it the same for you guys, or? Uh, at first, yeah, at the mm-hmm. last spot. Now everyone that works at our place has to be in the kitchen, right? You don't go right. Up, you just yeah. But uh, at first, yeah, we had like uh, I feel the same. At while starting, man, I right. I've, I've one time I realized like uh, three of my staff were stealing from me, you know. Oh, shit. So at lunchtime they were like faking to pay for the lunch, you know. Oh, yeah, nah, And yeah. Uh, I had to fire one girl, and while I was giving her her last check, you know, she came to get it, and she was like, "Oh, by the way, I just want to let you know that like those two are doing that," and I was like, "What?" And really? she was like, yeah. And I was like, oh, you were part of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, oh, goodbye. shit. She's straight Takashi'd on you, Man, bro. you know. She's sick, not, six, not, what is his name? Takashi 6 9 She ratted on the whole fucking team. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> uh, no, that's, that's, that's how it is, man. Uh-huh. In that industry, it's sketchy, right? Because yeah. the thing is, people get comfortable to a point where they feel like where they're at in terms of work becomes kind of like their house, their mm-hmm. kitchen. Uh, no, I've, I've been there as well. Um, not only are they... Or when they become too comfortable, put it this way: How many? St- and me, my biggest setback and my flaw was being forgiving. Is that do you understand what I'm saying by yeah, forgiving? Yeah. Like I was way too forgiving with certain individuals, people that like if I didn't like you, like if I wouldn't have liked your fucking personality, you would have been fired the first fucking week, right? <laughs> but because I liked them, I would forgive them, mm-hmm. and then sometimes that forgiveness would go on to being like it would last numerous years. Like I'm talking, like I've had staff that I should have let go maybe a year and a half, two years like ago. Mm-hmm. And I kept them because I'm forgiving. And it's like, because I like their personality or or I like to look for their what they're good at versus what they're not good at, if, if you get what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, staffing is the hardest, man. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what else is harder in that industry. Staffing and obviously um, inventory and keeping your stuff stocked up because once the passion's there and you love what you're doing, you put that in your food. And if you're the kind of guy that's always in your kitchen, mm-hmm. you're good. You know what I mean? Because you mm-hmm. get to oversee what what the product is that's going out. Yeah, and that's another reason why I hate Uber and Skip. Because when somebody orders from you and it's gone, you have no idea what's going to happen to that order by the time it gets yeah. to the house, right? Mm-hmm. Good to, stuff. To get back to the staffing, I just mm-hmm. read a book about uh, David Chang. Um, he's a restaurant, one of like um, super well known right now. Mm-hmm. He made a, a bunch of restaurants in Toronto, like one that's called Momo, Momo Fuku. Okay, and uh, Fuku and some other. Restaurants, Asian so, restaurants, yeah, okay, Japanese and Chinese, and um, he made like a few shows on Netflix too, and super well known, um, Korean guy, um, so it's a memoir about his life. Now today's like he's like uh, I think forty two years old, and uh, in his book he uh, he describes himself as a as a uh, as a boss that always been like. Um, he had like mental problems about like just like uh, being like anger pro- anger problems. Okay. Okay. So uh, in his book, he, you know, it's a mental thing. So he, he kind of like explains it like 
that way, you know, like it's out of his control and he tried the best to like control it. But at a certain point when you have like 30 restaurants running uh, everywhere in the world, um, you, 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 like you're so stressed about everything, right? Bet, you want everything yeah. to be perfect. And um, so he describes him as a, a boss that like he just couldn't have an, a mistake, not a, like any kind of mistakes. Would drive him crazy. Oh man, he would like yeah. break things like right on the spot, you know, and just start swearing and stuff. And um, when when I saw that, I was like, you know, when I read that, I was I I can understand, you know, I can like I've never done that, but I can understand, and I can understand that like like there's a certain standard because he he won like three mission stars, you know. Mm-hmm. So at a certain point, you you can't allow those mistakes. Mm-hmm, no. For me, as you said, you know, I've been I'm uh, I'm super gentle with my stuff, you know. I'm I'm too patient. Um, and I know it. But you sometimes know? I can shoot you right in the foot. Exactly. You I can know? shoot you right in the foot, right? Because so, like the thing is, nobody is the same. The, the staff, they're all different characters, mm-hmm. right? Like you might get a really great guy that comes into your kitchen or a girl, female or male, and might come into your kitchen and be like amazing at everything. You can't expect that from the next person you hire. You want to expect it, but actually getting that is very rare. Mm-hmm. That one good staff is super rare. That's why it's like big owners that have like four, five, six, seven restaurants. Like imagine, they're not even worried about all the staff anymore. They're worried about their main guy. They're mm-hmm. worried about their manager. You know what I mean? Yep. And even finding that one manager for five locations is probably like rocket science because you're giving that guy all of your trust. You're giving that guy not just your 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 financial and like, like paper trust. You're giving that person trust on giving your product the way that you taught that guy to give your product to somebody, right? Because mm-hmm. that could change when you turn your back. Oh, yeah. And a lot of times in this business, it's like the second you're not there, it's like it's not the same thing. Every single time I left the restaurant, there was an issue. And that's not because I just noticed the issue. So it's like, when you're not there to be on top of things, little things do happen. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's the hardest part in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Um, But anyways. Well, after reading that book, I started like allowing myself to be more, um, you know, just like when I see a mistake, I mean, if you've been working for me for like two years, Mm -hmm. there's certain things you can't do anymore, you know? Um, I don't know, like, Missing up the rice recipe, like we can't right. we can't serve bad rice. Right. We don't serve a thousand things. We only do pokes. You yeah. know, you can't fuck up that thing. That yeah. making the only thing the base of the whole restaurant. Exactly. Right? So yeah. from now on, from like finishing reading the book, I I, I think it's at a certain point you have to be um, less patient with people. You know, just for people to wake up and know that like there's a, st- a certain standard that you have to follow up. You know, you can't. It's not because because being patient with people. People don't, they don't stress anymore. Mm-hmm. If you work in a kitchen. You but I don't think be- it's patience, brother. I think it's more of comfortability. When you become comfortable with somebody, it's like you become friends with them, right? Because you're at a young mm-hmm. age. Yeah. Even myself, like I'm older than you are, but I'm still young. I get along with people your age. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So it's like when you become close with someone, it's about being too close with them on a personal level. Because mm-hmm. then once you, imagine like you're, you're like friend, friend with one of your staff, right? And then they fuck up. The way you're going to react to that situation because your friend friend is going to be very different than if you were not friends with that person. Well, you know what? You know what I mean? I have maybe like five friends, okay? Five good friends of mm-hmm. mine that worked at my place for a few months, okay? Let me guess it didn't work. It worked perfectly. Really? You know, some of my friends, okay? Your friends respect you. Oh, man. Like, I have this one friend that told me like, bro, it's the first time, okay? I've been working for you for six months. I've never came late. It's the first time in my life mm-hmm. that I've never came late for a job, you know? But when it's not about my friends and they're, it's younger people that comes to work with me, you know, most of them, they take the job seriously, you know, most of them. But at a certain point, I don't know, it's just like, like what, what you just said is really true. 
you know mm-hmm. and but again it could differ because people are different yeah. right because i do have some people that i'm very close with that i've worked with that i've hired that still hold a lot of respect and they understand mm-hmm. like i was telling you earlier about george yeah. This guy, because his family's in that same industry, they're in the restaurant business, he understands where my stress comes from. And you could see him going out of his way to try to fix, like when he sees me kind of like tripping out or like feeling a type of way about a situation, he goes out of his way to try to rectify that situation. Whereas right. some shitty staff, pardon my French, some shitty staff will just like be like, oh fuck, he's just being like, he's just upset. We're just gonna, let's just stay out of his way today. You get mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Whereas some good staff, they'll find a way to be like, okay, what was the problem? Let's fix it. And that's that's tough, man. That's hard to find, bro. You said you you made him a assistant manager, manager. yeah, man. Wow. And yeah, so hopefully he's coming back because right now with the whole COVID situation, everybody's kind of laid off, right? But like, mm-hmm. hopefully he's coming back because this guy took a huge, uh, he took a big weight off of my shoulder. And I've been doing this for three and a half years now, and I was working 120 hours a week. Like it, it put a lot on my body, and it's a kind of like for for the first three years we were open at 11 in the morning. We closed at two in the morning, and I was there till four in the morning. I was oh, back shit. there, and I, so I was doing like ridiculous hours. And having a guy like him that you could actually trust, and then you could actually not just trust, like I said, with like like trust them with the cash out or trust them. You just trust him to understand what it is that I expect. Mm -hmm. And then for him to kind of deliver that, even if I'm not there, that's kind of rare. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So big shout out to him. And uh, Oh, you know what? I came like a few times this summer. Mm -hmm. He wasn't there. He was Mm -hmm. there. And he did a great job, man. Like, great I guy. feel like he was the man of the house, you know? He, that's what he does, man. Uh-huh. And, he, and he owns it, you know what I mean? Like, he owns his... And the thing is, is like, he doesn't do it in a sense that he feels like there's no ego involved. Okay. He's actually passionate about it. Like, you see it. Like, you, like we sometimes we joke about how he is with clients because he's almost too good. Like, he's too good with the people, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And, 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 like, you know, all jokes aside, he's like me. Sometimes he doesn't want to deal with people. You get what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I, so there's days that I don't want to deal with people, but if he could still put on his face and understand that his professionalism comes into play, mm-hmm. and he goes, you know what? I'm supposed to be showing people a good time right now. He goes and gets it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And he gets tipped the best, bro. Oh, wow. We have dimey dimes. I'm just gonna say it like that. Maybe I shouldn't say that because it's wrong. But we've had some really di- like like some really pretty girls that have worked for us. They've never I signed the checks, bro. They've never seen the kind of tip George sees. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And that shows in his pres in, in his in his like in his presentation, in his um in his work. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. he George is a tick boy. He's he got a mullet. You know, he's not like a he's not a he's not like a he, he's not a snack. Do you get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. If anything, he's looking for a snack. You, know, you get my point? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you get my point? But but he still gets the biggest checks because people fucking love him no matter what he looks like. It's the way that he delivers his his mm-hmm. service to you. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So That's big nice. shout out to him. So another question I wanted to ask you was, what do you see, what are your future plans with your place? So I want to expand my uh, bubble tea menu. That's really? one thing I really want to do, yeah. And um, I, I didn't know you. To... So you have you have poke, bubble tea, and coffee. coffee. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then yeah, once that is done, uh, I also want to have my alcohol permit, just to sell like bottles of wines and uh, for for takeouts, and uh, have some um, individual frozen um, tuna and salmon that would already be cut into poke uh, pieces. Okay, that you could just buy frozen, bring it to your house, unfroze it, and follow the recipe on the back to make your own poke at your house. So what people could do is instead of just buying a bowl for lunch or for dinner, you can buy the frozen fish that's already cut. 
Have it whenever you want. Take your bottle of wine, go home, do it yourself on a date with mm. the family, whatever, and uh, just have a good time at your place. You I know? thought of that. Con- I was thinking at one time of doing that with the pizzas during the first COVID. Remember the first lockdown? Yeah. I was like, how could we freeze these pizzas and seal them so that people could just buy them? On- Instead of buying Delicios, you buy Il Vicolo. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's a good concept. I like that, especially yeah. with the way the future is going. Because mm-hmm. shit is going totally takeout right now. Mm-hmm. Okay, so in terms Did of- Did you find a way to do it? It's, it's not that hard. But we're going to have to cook them at like at least 10, 15% and then freeze. Oh, okay. Going completely raw for us would be, it, it is possible. We could probably do that. I've done it a few times. Like when I bring my parents pizza, they'll ask me to just cook it like, like I don't cut the pizza. I cook it like, let's just say 45, 50% and they finish the cooking in the oven. Okay. So I bring it home. I don't cut it. They put it in the oven. So this way it's hot, hot when they, whenever they eat it. Um, in terms of your poke, uh, sorry, not your poke, your, your bubble tea, what is it that you want to, what do you mean by expanding? What, what do you have, what do you not have now that you want to have? So we only have like, um, uh, bubble teas are made from, uh, well, uh, tea versions, right? Green tea, black tea. So they're, uh, fresh, they're, um, not fresh, but, uh, they're, uh, light, really light. Okay. And I have some other ones that are like with milk and coffee. Okay. Uh, which are more like, a almost like a snack, right? Cause it's pretty heavy having like a big, like glass of milk right mm-hmm. but um so now what we want to add up is like having like this slushy versions um which is just like more popular in north Can- canada you know people like already use like slush uh people are used to it's just commonly uh, preferred by people you know okay and um i think that this could be a, a killer and a good way for us to start promoting combos with our pokes and bubble teas and um, so once this is done for hopefully for next summer, um, we want to go, we want to try to like work on a pr- uh, franchise model. And uh, instead of like myself taking the risk to open another Keola somewhere else, I would do it with partners, franchi- franchisee. Um, do, do, so why, why, why would you choose the franchise concept or model versus going like a corporation and partnering up with other people? And owning a share of that versus owning just a percentage. Because if I go with the the, fr- the franchise, mm-hmm. um, I could sell franchise the franchise to the franchisees, mm-hmm. right? They would invest their own money, uh, opening at the right spot. Uh, I would like I, I, I combine them in every steps of it until the opening date. Make sure everyone is re- he's ready, well formed, uh, good. The staff is well formed too, and everything. Mm-hmm. And then uh, boom, he handles his own stuff, and I get my royalties out of that. And then once that would, but wouldn't you have to take care of all their marketing and all their like, yes? And because the thing is, which would be way easier than taking care of those restaurants, you know? Right, just yeah. basically overseeing them, just making sure that they're going by your model, yeah. right? Okay. Yeah, so that's a pretty cool. Concept. And like the next ones, let's say I get a, I start doing my first one. I'm, you know, I want to go to key spots, like mm-hmm. uh, key spots where um, we don't care who the fuck you are. We only care about what you're offering. You know, right. like Algon Street, uh, like going like some places and get you know that are really like just like so many people going on. You know, Malonet mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Going into Montreal, into dans le Mont Royal, um, in Toronto, just key spots where like the the concept makes the work for, for itself. You know, people don't fucking care who you are. It is, they see the good logo, they see the good atmosphere, they see the good food, they are com- They will come back. And right. um, so yeah, I just want, I think my concept is proven. I think now um, I just want to twitch a few more things to like make it more rental profitable for myself, you know, but keep it really easy and just like go 
through the same process with partners that would have their own, have those royalties to myself, and maybe one day sell it to a bigger company like uh, MYT and, and and Montreal, where they, they they buy big franchise when you have like three to like I don't know. 15, 50 uh, restaurants, you know, or mm. franchisee, and then you sign the check and you're out. But like, you know, it's it's a it's a lonely road, right? It's a lonely journey being an entrepreneur in restaurant, right? Even if you have your partners, it's like a closed circle. Mm-hmm. For me, I don't have any partners. I'm doing it all by myself. But having the privilege of helping someone build my own Keola, man, fuck, it's why like, not, right? You know, yeah. And I feel like I would uh, I would enjoy the process, like like 100%. in a deep way, yeah. Yeah, as long as the you got to look in the future as well. As long as the guidelines and everything are set and the, the franchise understands it, yeah. and the black and white is makes sense, then yeah, why not? But good for you, mm-hmm. good for you. Hopefully, yeah. Well, I want to definitely thank you for coming out today. This was a interesting conversation, and I, and I think I'm I, I could easily say this. I'm proud of what you're doing because a guy your age opening up a place at 23 years old. Uh, should be super inspirational for the people that are listening right now. Thank you. All right, man. Yeah. So thanks again for coming. Same, bro. Cheers. Cheers. And uh, we'll do this again soon. Maybe when you launch the new... Um, bubble, bubble tea? Bubble teas. Yeah. We can talk about That's that it. next time. All right? Yes, Cheers, brother. Thank you. Cheers.